From the Medical Republic, this is The Tea Room. I'm Penny Durham, editor of the Medical Republic, and today I'm speaking with Professor Scott Ayton about Alzheimer's disease and the controversial new drug, aducanumab, which is up for review by the TGA this year. Professor Ayton is head of the Translational Neurodegeneration Lab at the Florey Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health in Melbourne. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for joining us on The Tea Room. Hey, Penny. Thanks for having me. I'm quite impressed. I managed to get your title out in one go. I thought it would take me at least three goes. Um, before we start on aducanumab, could you start by telling us a little bit about your work in neurodegenerative disease at the Florey? Uh, sure thing. Uh, I am a Deputy Director of the Melbourne Dementia Research Centre at the Florey, and we do quite a range of research into dementia, from basic drug discovery, um, investigating in animal and cellular models, uh, to biomarker discovery and translation into uh, into uh, memory clinics and also clinical trials. So we're, we're currently doing a phase two clinical trial of a candidate disease modifying therapy in Australian sites. Um, and so, yeah, we, we try and we've got that full spectrum of lab to clinic uh, to try and see if we can uh, slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease, diagnose at an earlier stage and also to understand better the basic mechanisms of what is going on. Mm. Alzheimer's is, uh, as everybody knows, the most prevalent form of dementia, and so the uh, the demand for a disease modifying drug is enormous. Um, it's characterized by the buildup of amyloid plaques in the brain. In fact, as I understand it, that is now the disease definition. It's it's not defined so much by clinical presentation as by the amyloid in the brain. Is that correct? Well, that's correct, but you can't be diagnosed with the Alzheimer's dementia without clinical symptoms. So you can have the um, underlying disease process of Alzheimer's disease occurring in your brain, uh, but we don't give someone a diagnosis of dementia, Alzheimer's dementia, until the symptoms uh, decline to uh, a point where um, where we say that they're cognitively impaired. Okay. Um, but the, the correlation of amyloid with those symptoms is such that it's been assumed, and not unreasonably, that the it's the amyloid that has been causing the disease and therefore must be a good target for a disease-modifying drug. But the, the history of uh, drug candidate research hasn't proved that to be the case, has it? Yes, that's true. So uh, it, it is true to say that everyone with Alzheimer's disease has amyloid pathology. Um, and so this has been one of the, the key planks for uh, the, the rationale for developing anti-amyloid drugs. Um, unfortunately, they haven't. Uh, that hasn't panned out. There have been more than... 30 phase three clinical trials of anti-amyloid drugs, and we've yet to have a clinical trial that can certainly demonstrate that this impacts on clinical uh, progression. What else could the amyloid be doing in the brains of the people with this kind of dementia? So a lot we don't know about uh, uh, amyloid plaque, despite a huge amount of research. But Alzheimer himself concluded in 1911 that uh, amyloid plaques were unlikely to be a cause of the disease, uh, simply because it occurs in areas of the brain that are not affected by damage um, and the levels are not very correlated with disease progression. Um, and uh, they also occur frequently in people without clinical symptoms. So there's a lot we don't know and could, it's still quite a reasonable idea that plaques are damaging, but it may be that uh, plaques are similar to, I say the, the pox of smallpox, where obviously it's a defining feature of the disease uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the, if we got a cream to remove smallpox from the skin, that would not stop the virus. Um, the, the cause of, the, uh, of uh, smallpox is obviously the virus, and it manifests as lesions on the skin. 
And that can um, also be the case for Alzheimer's disease, but we don't yet know. The the big news from the past couple of years uh, in the succession of amyloid-busting drug candidates is aducanumab, the monoclonal antibody from the maker Biogen. Uh, it re- received a, a qualified kind of approval last year from the FDA, an accelerated approval, which I believe means it could be granted on the basis of the drug reaching a surrogate endpoint, um, reduction in amyloid in this case, rather than clinical improvement. And I believe Biogen has to come back in nine years with more evidence. But uh, do you want to run us through, um, briefly if possible, the the saga that preceded that approval, which made it an enormously controversial uh, move by the FDA? Well, it'll take uh, some time to go through uh, the the saga of uh, aducanumab. But um, and I might be a little bit fuzzy with the dates, but I think it was maybe May 19, uh, 2019, where uh, a futility uh, analysis was conducted on two phase three clinical trials of aducanumab um, that were ongoing. And uh, the statisticians reported that uh, aducanumab was unlikely to be a, a, achieve a significant result. And on this basis, the studies were terminated. Some six months later, there was additional review uh, of the data, and uh, this came that Biogen uh, came to a different conclusion. And in discussions with the FDA, um, they announced that actually one of the clinical trials reported a significant benefit to cognition, and um, they started a process uh, for approval um, and in collaboration with the FDA. That process has uh, been highly controversial. It's uh, currently, uh, the engagements with the FDA are currently uh, being investigated through um, external bodies. And uh, the review, uh, when this went to external uh, review by something called the Advisory Committee or ADCOM in, I believe it was maybe November uh, 2020, the, the external advisory committee to the FDA resoundedly um, opposed the um, the application by Biogen. Um, curiously, it was a joint application by both Biogen and the FDA, um, and uh, many commentators I recognise that that was unusual. Ten of the eleven advisory external advisory committee members um, voted against approval for aducanumab, with one of one abstaining. Uh, in, I believe it was June 2021, the uh, FDA approved aducanumab with an accelerated approval pathway. And this meant that the, the drug was uh, approved based on, and I can quote, the reasonable assumption that lowering amyloid would lead to cognitive benefit. Uh, so they conceded that the Clinical trials did not convincingly demonstrate an evidence of cognitive benefit, but it was reasonably likely that they would. That was a highly controversial decision. Again, this has caused multiple external reviews into the the approval process um, and the FDA. Three members of the advisory committee resigned in protest. And recently, um, CMS, which approves therapies, uh, approves funding for Medicaid and Medicare in America, they declined to provide funding to the general public and, and restricted this just to future clinical trials, which was which was seen. This was a was a draft decision, and they've got uh, they'll announce their full decision recently uh, in in the next couple of weeks. Sorry, and uh, th- that was seen by many commentators as a, a rejection of the FDA's decision. 
in, in a survey of neurologists, uh, only 15% of neurologists disagreed with that CMS decision. So there is quite a lot of um, surprise um, and protest towards the FDA's decision regarding uh, the approval mm. of aducanumab. Do you think the FDA should have told Biogen to go back and do it again, um, even though that would cause some frustration rather than giving it nine years on the market? And indeed, I believe they, they recommended it for anyone with Alzheimer's, even though the trials were only on early stage Alzheimer's patients. Yes, correct. If you're asking my opinion, I think that um, the results were unclear and um, it, was, it, it was obviously a very disrupted study and we need to have adequate evidence to, to make approvals of drugs. So uh, my, my, my opinion is that we shouldn't stop developing aducanumab as a drug for Alzheimer's disease, even though I'm um, not optimistic that it will uh, be successful, but I still, still think it's worth a go. Um, but we need, to have, we need to see the evidence. So this needs to undergo a future clinical trial, allowing this to be approved at the same time, giving them nine years to do another clinical trial, I think was quite imprudent. So the circumstances of approval, so not just, it's not just the approval that was controversial, but the circumstances surrounding that approval was highly controversial. They allowed nine years to do a replication study, which many commentators thought was far too long. They approved the drug for all of Alzheimer's disease, yet um, only very early Alzheimer's disease and MCI patients that mild cognitive impaired patients were assessed. They did not require evidence of amyloid in the brain where you know maybe 20 to 25 percent of people with dementia do not have amyloid they've got a different disease um, and they do not um, stand to benefit from aducanumab yet will be exposed to side effects associated with the drug when there was analysis of the the, the trial participants of the clinical trials for aducanumab and of the people in america who um receive uh, treatment for dementia, 92% of these people would not be eligible for um, aducanumab. So there's been criticisms that the, the uh, trial population was really not representative of the target population. And these, this broad approval process has been criticized for the FDA. Uh, if we were going to do an accelerated approval, um, there was reason to think that we should be very conservative um, about how we um, how we let this drug out into the community. At the same time, it's not a great moment for faith in the drug approvals process in the US, but uh, there are it, the problems with the, the trials have not been lost on the people who are actually, you know, in fact, more responsible for prescribing and um, paying for the drug. There is, as you, I think you alluded to, there's been a bit of some resistance um, among insurers. Oh, yes. So um, I, I think the uh, the sentiment in the community uh, and the academy and in the clinicians is quite clear. Um, there have been very few people that have elected to take aducanumab. The last time I heard the sales were around about $300,000. Um, uh, it probably be more than that now. Um, but it's, it's a very, very small uptake, um, considering that they were expecting this to be a multi-billion dollar blockbuster. So uh, there's been uh, that, I guess, the proof of is in the, in the pudding um, about the sentiment in the community. And um, other regulatory bodies overseas have declined to approve it. And um, that brings us to the TGA, where it's up for review you know, next month. Uh, you and your colleagues have written about it in this week's uh, Medical Journal of Australia. What's your advice to the Australian regulator? Well, 
I, I believe that we need to um, we need to wait to see the evidence. We we can't just uh, approve drugs based on hope. Uh, there's a quote I really like from um, Jason Karlowicz and uh, Joshua Gill in Nature Reviews Neurology, and they said, uh, the defenders of the FDA's decision return again and yet again to two uh, emotions, desperation and hope. However, mm -hmm. one important emotion has notably um, absent, uh, been absent from this discussion, and that's trust. Uh, we rely on our regulatory bodies because we have trust in them to, to make these decisions. We don't make decisions based on hope. We make decisions based on evidence. We do not have convincing evidence that this drug uh, improves the cognitive profile of patients. We do have evidence that it causes harm. And so until we have clear evidence that this drug works, we should not approve it. As big as Alzheimer's disease is as a, a drug category, and there is a bigger story uh, at play here. Um, and we need, to, uh, we need to ensure that our regulatory bodies are trusted. We've seen during this, this pandemic uh, how important it is that um, the community has, has trust in our regulatory bodies. And so um, they have that trust because they have historically, uh, again and again, uh, made decisions based on evidence. Um, and so we need to uphold that tradition and, um, and ensure that we don't make uh, decisions just based on hope, um, but we need to base it on evidence. And you, you've mentioned side effects. So like, even if the drug was cheap or free, which is which it very much is not, uh, there'd still be a downside to giving it to patients on the off chance of a benefit. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about ARIA, the main side effect that it causes? Yeah, sure. So uh, the major side effect that people are concerned about is ARIA, amyloid-related imaging abnormality. Uh, this is a localised brain inflammation that's detectable by MRI. Um, and this is a... Uh, this occurs frequently. Uh, so around about 30% of people who take the drug experience this ARIA. And the symptoms of ARIA can range from relatively mild to uh, more severe, requiring uh, hospitalization and ICU. Uh, so ARIA can, result, uh, can uh, express in symptoms like nausea, migraine, dizziness, etc., and can last uh, for a short period of time or many months. It requires people um, being taken off uh, the drug. And in the clinical trial, this was relatively well monitored. So the patients had regular MRIs, but uh, the FDA did not require um, the same regular MRIs within the community. Uh, and so there's a risk that uh, there will be more ARIA in the community that is not diagnosed. Also, um, the clinical trials excluded um, a lot of people that may have been at risk of ARIA, particularly those with underlying cardiovascular morbidity. And uh, those people, these, these, are, these people are not excluded from taking aducanumab in the community under the FDA protocol. And so the, there is risk that ARIA might um, be more frequent in the community or have more severe side effects. We don't know though. Um, and that, that's why we're all calling for more data uh, and looking at the long-term side effects. It may be that ARIA is manageable. It may be that ARIA is damaging. Um, we, we need to have more um, data to, to make firm conclusions. If it were clear that the cognitive benefit, the aducanumab did provide a cognitive benefit, then we could be we could tolerate more the side effects of ARIA. 
But given the huge amount of uncertainty regarding its any form of clinical benefit, exposing people to the risk of ARIA, um, given we, it, we know that it can be severe, um, is, I think, a very imprudent decision. Mm. And moving away from amyloid, what are some of the best alternative hypotheses floating around, do you think, as to the cause of Alzheimer's? Well, there, there are many. Uh, what I would say is additional drug targets. Um, I don't. I think that there. Uh, my focus has been to investigate what causes damage in the disease and try and target that, rather than trying to figure out the whole cause of the disease, which um, which I think might take us a long a lot a lot longer to figure out. Uh, the the alternative pathology tau has uh, been. Also, I, I guess the, the second uh, biggest therapeutic category for Alzheimer's disease. And unfortunately, that hasn't, um, antibodies directed towards that also have not been successful in clinical trials. I still think that's a worthy idea. Uh, there are people are investigating inflammation because we know that occurs in Alzheimer's disease. My focus is to look at uh, cell death mechanisms and particularly one that's related to uh, iron and oxidative stress, um, which we know occurs in Alzheimer's disease. And that's related to the clinical trial that we're doing at the moment to see if we can target that pathology. Uh, so there are a range of other uh, approaches that we could take. Historically, it's been very difficult to get funding for anything other than amyloid in Alzheimer's disease. Uh, I, I think maybe that's starting to change. And um, uh, given that uh, amyloid has played its course, uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Professor Scott Aiden, this is a very big topic and there's so much to talk about, but I should probably let you go now. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Penny. You've been listening to The Tea Room. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can search for us on your favourite podcast player and subscribe. Leave us a review if you like. And if you've got any hot news tips, you can email me at wendy at medicalrepublic.com.au. Now, to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice, head to our digital news site, medicalrepublic.com.au. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you informed. Thanks for tuning in.